Welcome back to the Badass Literature Society, where badasses come together to rate and review novels recommended by you. Hi, I'm Michael. This is Barbara. And I'm Lauren. This month, we read City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. It was recommended to us by listener D.L. D. Lazinski. Thank you for the recommendation. Like always, we'll split the podcast into two sections, a spoiler-free discussion and our overall score, and then a more in-depth discussion of the plot and the ending, which will obviously be spoiler-heavy, and our individual scores for the book. But first, let's talk about the author. S.A. Chakraborty is the author of the critically acclaimed and internationally best-selling The Devabod Trilogy, of which City of Brass is the first one. Her work has been translated into over a dozen languages and nominated for the Locus, World Fantasy, Crawford, and Astounding Awards. When not buried in books about 13th century con artists and Abbasid political intrigue, she enjoys hiking, knitting, and recreating unnecessarily complicated medieval meals. She likes to talk about history, politics, and Islamic art. She currently lives in New Jersey with her husband, daughter, and an ever-increasing number of cats. And now Barbara is going to give us some details about the book. So the book was originally published on November 14th, 2017. It is considered fantasy, and it is 533 pages. It currently has a 4.1 out of 5 on Goodreads, a 4.6 on Amazon, and a 4.8 on Barnes & Nobles, which are all very high scores. The book was nominated for the Locus Award for Best First Novel in 2018, the World Fantasy Award for Best Novel in 2018, the Compton Crook Award in 2019, and the British Fantasy Award for Best Newcomer in 2018. And also, it also won um, the Book Nest Award for Best Debut Novel back in 2018. Pretty impressive for a first novel. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Now, and now over to Lauren to talk about the back of the book. Yes, so the back cover says as follows. Nari has never believed in magic. Certainly she has power. On the streets of 18th century Cairo, she's a con woman of unsurpassed talent. But she knows better than anyone that the trade she uses to get by, palm readings, czars, healings, are all tricks, sleight of hand, learned skills, a means to the delightful end of swindling Ottoman nobles. But when Nari accidentally summons an equally sly, darkly mysterious jinn warrior to her side during one of her cons, she's forced to accept that the magical world she thought only existed in childhood stories is real. For the warrior tells her a new tale, across hot, windswept sands teeming with creatures of fire and rivers where the mythical merits sleep, past ruins of once magnificent human metropolises and mountains where the circling hawks are not what they seem, lies Devabod. The legendary city of Brass, a city to which Nari is irrevocably bound. In that city, behind gilded brass walls laced with enchantments, behind the six gates of the six Jin tribes, old resentments are simmering. And when Nari decides to enter this world, she learns that true power is fierce and brutal, that magic cannot shield her from the dangerous web of court politics, that even the cleverest of schemes can have deadly consequences. After all, there's a reason they say to be careful what you wish for. Pum, pum, pum. Thank you, Lauren. So what did you guys think about City of Brass? And remember, no spoilers. And I'll go first. Uh, so I loved the book. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I didn't know what I would think about it going into it. Uh, I was excited to read it because the person who recommended it is a friend and uh, he, he has similar taste in books to me. So I was excited to read it from that perspective, but it was very different from some of the other stuff that I've read. Um, but I, I loved it. The, the characters, 
are great. Um, there was really great progression. The way that the characters developed were fantastic. Um, there were lots of good twists and turns, and that was all exciting. Uh, it was a very well-built, magical world existing inside our real world. Um, uh, that was really well done. The the You could tell by the intricacy of what she wrote about that she did a lot of research about the time period and the region and the religion and the culture and all the stuff that went into this. I thought that that made it really cool because the, the lore was based in reality, which, uh, which is, which is always really cool. So I, I loved it. It was a great book. Lauren. I did enjoy the book. I did feel like I was spending a lot of time confused with the complicated world building and information dumps that kept happening. I feel like I was kind of sad about that because I wanted to absolutely love it. And there were a lot of things that I did love about it. Um, but I feel like it could have been a little bit less confusing for the reader just so that we could have like focused more on plot and characters. Um, but I also will say that I listened to the audiobook and I actually liked the reader this time. Um, however, if I weren't listening to it and I was reading it, I might've utilized the glossary a little bit more and been a little bit less confused. Um, so I think that part of that is on me. Um, I did feel like the beginning was a little bit slow to get into, um, but once the pace picked up, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, the pacing was perfect with a good balance between action and storytelling, and I really enjoyed all the characters, even the side ones. I thought they were all really well, well flushed out. The world was a bit confusing at first, actually a lot confusing. I think this was the first time I had issues picking up on all the different things um, <clears throat> to the point where I was a little, eh, well, I, I don't know. I think I was like not drawn to that at the beginning, but it then it gets better. Um, and it actually, there's one scene in particular where a character kind of explains it. And then after that happened, it clicked. Um, and luckily that it doesn't happen like super early, but decently early on. And the setting and the lore um, that it was based on, I thought was really interesting. And you can tell the author is very, very knowledgeable um, and did her research. And I believe she actually studied this in college. So that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right about that, that she she did study in college. Um, so like you guys know, we don't go into our individual ratings at this point. Got to wait for that till the end. But our group score was an 8.2 out of 10, which I think is one of our highest group scores for a book. Usually uh, somebody's high and somebody else brings us down. So 8.2 out of 10 is pretty, pretty solid. Um, would you guys recommend this book? I'm going to let Barbara answer first on this one. Yeah, um, I think to people who like fantasy books with great world building and a really cool magic system, I definitely would recommend it. I'm not really sure I would recommend it to people who don't like fantasy, um, just because it might be a little bit too much for them, um, especially in the beginning where you do kind of get this dump of information and you might have no idea what the heck, like how I felt and it was a little... Um, off-putting. So I feel like if you don't like fantasy, that might be a hindrance. But if you keep up with it after you get that scene that I described earlier, you might enjoy it. But I'm, I'm not sure it's for everyone, especially people who don't enjoy fantasy on a normal basis. Fair enough. Lauren? 
Um, I would recommend it. I think with the preface that um, maybe don't go with the audiobook because of the glossary factor. Because um, I feel like that would have made my reading experience a little bit different. Now, as our people who regularly listen know, audiobooks are easier for me because I have a seven-month-old. And um, so physically reading can be harder to find time to do. Um, <clears throat> but I think if I were to recommend it to somebody, I would say get the physical book, or I guess you guys did the Kindle, right? Yeah, we did. Or the, or the Kindle version would have a, I mean, that would probably be easy to flip back and forth to the glossary. And I think that for those of us who maybe aren't, because I know I'm not as into the fantasy, as fantasy diehard as Barbara and Michael are, um, and that would have probably made my experience a little bit less frustrating. But I would recommend it on the whole. So I, unsurprisingly, also would recommend the book. Um, the only difference I'll say is I think that I would recommend this to people who don't like fantasy too. Um, I think that, I mean, in the sense that like it isn't as um, tropey or traditional fantasy as some other stuff. So like, for example, if you tell me you hate fantasy, I'm not going to tell you to read Lord of the Rings because – you know, it's, it's, that's fantasy through and through. It's dwarves, it's elves, it's, you know, crazy things happening. I think there's a lot of people who would tell you they don't enjoy fantasy like that, but did enjoy the movie Aladdin. And the movie Aladdin takes place in the same part of the world. It has a genie in it. It's got magic in it. Albeit it's nowhere near as deep as this book and it, they're totally different. But I feel like the, but anyway, what I was saying is that I think that this book has more more of a broad appeal than traditional fantasy would have and so because of that i think i would recommend it to more people um but to answer the question yes i would absolutely recommend the book it was it was fantastic so i agree with you on that sense because it doesn't have tropey stuff and like dragons or you know knights and shining armor that stuff but what would you say for people who might get confused during that beginning with all the tribes and stuff like that. Cause for sure, this was the first book I've ever had to flip back to the glossary because I was utterly confused in the beginning. So for, for that, I would tell people kind of what Lauren did, like don't do the audiobook Cause that's going to be a problem. Or if you do do the audiobook, go to the author's website where she has all of that stuff available as well. Um, but if you have a physical copy of the book, especially, I think it'd be actually be easier with the physical copy than our Kindle copies, but what helped me a lot, yes, the glossary was very helpful, but to be honest, what was super helpful to understand the tribes and get that like ingrained was the maps that she included. Um, both the map of the region where you can see like where those people hail from, and then also the map of the city uh, of Davabod, which is where the book mostly takes place. I guess the second half of the book mostly takes place. Um, and that, that was helpful for me to kind of lock in those tribal names and the the global map was helpful to get an idea of their origins. And I kind of remembered it that way. So looking at the map, at least for me, was helpful for remembering that stuff. So uh, for those of us, those of you leaving us now, don't forget to give us a rating if you like our podcast. Um, really appreciate that if you guys would, if you like it, um, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, anywhere you give us a rating would be super helpful and a review is even better. Um, also follow us on Facebook and Instagram in both places. Our handle is at badass lit pod. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a book you want us to read, let us know. Uh, if you're an author who has a new book, they're trying to get, uh, get out there, send it to us. We're happy to, uh, to do that as well. Um, and on that note now for a short preview from Lauren of our next episode.
Yes, next month we are reading Dear Monica by Samuel Davel or Devel, I'm not sure, which was sent to us by the author. Here's the preview. What do you do when the one and only love of your life leaves you? That is the exact position that Charlie finds himself in when Monica leaves him. At the advice of his therapist, Charlie starts to write Monica, chronicling their relationship and his battles with depression, alcoholism, and acceptance. Does Charlie ever accept Monica's leaving? Will he be able to remember who he was before? In this deep dive into mental health, will Charlie be able to pull himself out of the black hole he has dug himself? Join Charlie as he gets extremely personal and detailed about what's really happening under the surface as he writes his lover, the only person he would ever talk to like this, his world. Thank you, Lauren. Remember, the second part of our podcast is an in-depth look at the book. So if you do want to read this one, stop listening now and come back when you're done. Seriously, lots of spoilers are going to be discussed in the second half. Um, Lots of twists and turns in this one. So if you do want to listen to it or read it, stop listening now. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. And now, for those of you sticking around for the spoilers, here we go. So starting off this podcast like we have, or starting off this podcast, starting off this part of the podcast like we have every episode of season two, let's talk about the Badass Character Award and who gets it. Uh, And I will let Barbara nominate the character of her choice first. Dara, hands down. Lauren? I agree. Dara is my choice as well. Dara is also my choice. Um, just from like the the core definition of the word badass, I feel like you have to choose Dara. Love or hate the character, which we'll get into more later. But yeah, <clears throat> but definitely a solid choice. Dara is by anybody's definition a badass, whether whether you like him or not. So very true. Either of you want to add anything onto that, or are we just going to award? Okay, mm-hmm. the Dara fictional character you have won the badass character award. Yay! moving on what did you guys like about this book what did you dislike about it and was there a specific point in the story that hooked you in and i'll start this one first um so what did i like about this book to be honest pretty much everything uh the characters were really well written i really liked the um the point of view characters that she chose but i know we'll get into that a little bit later more specifically um i loved the world it was set in i loved the lore i loved everything really almost everything about the book i, I really liked um the only thing i wrote down here that i disliked was the romance between nari and dara i just i felt like it was kind of forced it didn't it just didn't feel it just felt like a forced romance and and i maybe it was that i didn't like them the two of them together because their characters were so different um I just feel like it was forced and I feel like the, some of the scenes that took place afterwards would have been maybe a little less powerful because there's no romantic love there, but I feel like it still would have been a powerful scene without them being romantically connected. 
personally. They're both shaking their heads at me, so I know they're about to disagree, but that's my opinion. Um, and I, di- I didn't like that. So I didn't like their relationship, their romantic relationship. Loved their friendship, didn't like their romantic relationship. Um, as far as a specific point that hooked me in, hmm, probably the near the beginning of the book, uh, when you find out that Nari is kind of doing what she believes is like these like hoaxy, like pretend seance kind of things uh, for the locals just to make some money. And then this one girl is like actually possessed by an Ifrit and she accidentally calls Dara and the whole adventure starts. And so that was the point I think that really hooked me. And Lauren, I'm gonna let you answer next. Um, so what did I enjoy? I enjoyed the world building, albeit a bit confusing, uh, like I mentioned before. I think, though, that with this being the start of a, is it a trilogy or just a series? Yeah, a trilogy is that, I mean, I feel like the author dumped a lot of information up front when it could have maybe been spread out over the course of the series. Now, I don't know if she wrote this thinking that it was going to be a trilogy or not, you know, maybe... I don't know. Anyway, um, I enjoyed the world building. I didn't like having to keep track of everything. Um, but like I mentioned before, if I had been reading it in physical copy, maybe it would have been a little different experience with access to the glossary and whatnot um, on hand. I really liked Nari's character. Um, and I know that's we're not to characters yet, even though I feel like... Um, there are some traits that maybe were less desirable. I'm with Michael, though, as far as what hooked me. I liked the part in the beginning when, towards the beginning, when she accidentally summons this ghoul, I think she called him, um, when she was doing her thing. And just um, that whole uh, scene was kind of what, what drew me in a little bit more. And then I would say that I didn't really get super into it though until they actually arrived in Davidblad like around that kind of section so so i was hooked from the be- from the beginning of the book i really enjoyed nari's introductory um chapter where she was swindling the uh bridge sultan guy i thought that was kind of funny um, especially cause you get a little hint of the magic that she can sense. Like she knew that she was swindling the brother, but the other brother who didn't believe in her at all, um, had an actual ailment and I believe it could have been the lungs, I think it was or something like that. So I thought that was really interesting. So she like gave me a little, little dabble of magic system. And I was like, yes, yes, more, but definitely that scene where she is like trying to dispel what that girl had and was doing the dance. And then she accidentally did summon um, the Ifrit. That was really interesting question. How do you say Ifrit? How does the audio? So the audio says Ifrit. Okay. So that's how I used to pronounce it. It was Ifrit. And then I, um, what is it? Googled it, YouTubed it. And it was like Ifrit. And I'm like, okay, well apparently I've been saying this wrong. So it's Ifrit. Cool. I will go back to saying Ifrit. So anyways, um, I really enjoyed all the characters because um, I feel like they all had flaws. And it was nice to see a whole range of um, POC characters as well. Um, I liked the setting and the world building she created. The magic system and lore were really interesting. And then I kept wanting more of both. 
And I think she did a good job of making me not want to stop reading as well, even though the chapters were much longer than most books I read. Um, that's still kind of between switching uh, the perspective. I was still like wanting to read more. Um, I thought the pacing was great. I didn't have any issues with the pacing in this book. Um, I guess the only thing I disliked, and I, I feel like it's really super minor, was that it was a bit confusing at the beginning with all the lore and the different tribes. And like Lauren mentioned, um, before you even get to reading about, well, Nari's perspective, you kind of get an information dump about all the different Jin tribes. And I feel like that was maybe a little misplaced because you have, like, I didn't really, like, I read it, but I wasn't, like imprinting that to mind because I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then when you get to um, Ali's point of view, that's really when all that information kind of is important. And that's when I was just a little confused. And so then I had to go back and reference that again and actually pay attention and kind of look at the map and kind of try to figure out what was going on. Um, So maybe if she would have moved that Maybe that's just part of the glossary. I'm not really sure if that's needed in the beginning of the book. Um, but besides that, um, no other issue I really had. Uh, I would 100% recommend the glossary, though, on this book. And I would have preferred having a hard copy because with the Kindle, it is kind of annoying because you can't like physically flip to the very back. You have to like save your progress and then pick the glossary, look over the glossary, and then go back to your progress and make sure you've saved the correct page. It's a whole thing. So, Fair enough. Uh, were you guys, this, this next question is kind of funny after what Barbara said, were you confused by David Bad's numerous tribes, families, and their alliances? If so, did you eventually come to understand the multiple factions? And I'm going to let Barbara start here. <laughs> so I say that was a given, given my earlier statement that I just did. So yes, I was really confused because the Devas didn't like being called Jins while the rest of the tribes did. And uh, that was confusing because I didn't realize. I thought at one point there were two separate things, like Jins were one thing and Davis were another. And then come to find out, no, it's just a preference name preference. So that was kind of confusing until um, Dara explained that to Nari. Um, <clears throat> and they, I also didn't understand the whole subgroup that the Nahids and the Afshans were um, part of the Davis. I didn't. I thought they were also. Like, the other tribes would, like, I didn't realize Nari was part of Dara's tribe until um, that scene that I had mentioned where he pretty much, and I feel like she included this for people like me, and i very thankful for when authors do this. So you have, like, a character like Nari who obviously has no idea about the world that she's going to be introduced into. And normally that's where the author can go in and kind of explain it, like how a reader would not be understanding of it. So I enjoy when authors do that. And I think she did a good job of explaining or showing how Dara did it to her. And it was just like little shadow figures around a little map that he made up for her. And it was explaining like the whole history between the tribes. And that's when I realized that uh, the Nahids and what he was were together in the same tribe. And I was like, what the hell? Okay. So yeah, for sure. Definitely really confusing, but after that whole scene happened and I reread the glossary 
and kind of kept going back to the glossary and I was confused on certain words as well. I had no idea what they were to like paint a better picture in my mind. I understood the system better and then that wasn't an issue anymore for me. Lauren, what about you? Um, like I said a couple times already, I feel like it was pretty confusing. Um, it was a lot to keep track of and it was just a lot of technical stuff like Barbara was saying where like I also thought that the Devas and the Jins were like totally different. Um, and so I was like, why are they getting so offended? Because then once it got further along and they're like, Oh really you all the, you all are Jins, so like what's like why are we so um emotional about this? So <clears throat> I think that there were just a lot of I think fantasy authors do this a lot. I've found because I've been reading more fantasy with you guys, since that seems to be what always gets chosen. So I think... <laughs> our, two, our two listeners do that just to spite you now. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so I feel like my experience coming from not being a fantasy reader necessarily as much to being kind of thrown into that with this podcast is that fantasy authors tend to... Um, when they're world building, like certain authors do it better than others. Um, but just like creating every single little like detail that you could even ever think about. Um, and I get it. Like that's their baby and like they're creating this world and they want, you know, you to feel like you're immersed in it and, um, and all of that. And I think that she does a good job of world building, but at some points I feel like it's a little bit too much information, like maybe not necessary information. Um, I don't think I ever developed a complete understanding of all of the factions and all of the, the different jazz that was going on with this book. Um, and like I said, part of that's on me for not accessing the glossary and the maps. Cause I know that, like, Michael, you had mentioned that the maps were super useful, too. And um, until I started doing notes for the this episode, I didn't even look at the maps because my, mine was just an audiobook. So I didn't even know these things existed. So, um, yeah, I think it was confusing. I think it could have been done a little bit better. It could have been spread over the three books, like, to an extent. And I'm still in the state of um, of wonder. Of it. confusion. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I guess I'm the odd one out here. I, I didn't really find it that confusing. I guess at the beginning a little bit, um, but referencing the map helped me, like I mentioned earlier, um, grasp that. And I feel like in, I feel like when we're not reading these books for the podcast, um, of the three of us, I'm more likely to read a book that uh, has I would call it like a political thriller or more in-depth political systems than you guys would. Um, and I think that played into this some too, because a lot of the understanding the tribes and the families and all that was kind of understanding their under, under the surface political alliances and that kind of stuff too. So while I was confused at the beginning, uh, I didn't, didn't remain confused throughout the, uh, the whole book. Moving on from there, uh, the City of Brass is told from two different perspectives, uh, Nari's and Ali's. Uh, whose did you find more compelling and why? And I'll start on this one. Um, it, it's a tough choice, really, to be honest. Um, I really liked 
both perspectives. I, I enjoyed hearing from both characters. I think because they're such polar opposite characters, it was a very, very good way to tell the story because you're seeing it through to- two totally different lenses. The same things happening. But through At totally first, I thought lenses. you were going to say two oh. toads. <laughs> Like really, Michael? Two toads, different perspectives. <laughs> totally, like I said, totally different lenses. Um, so I'm going to kind of make a hybrid answer here. So at the beginning of the book, I probably would have said I enjoyed Nari's perspective more. Um, but towards the middle slash end of the book, I started to enjoy Ali's perspective more. Um, both, truthfully, though, were great. I, I enjoyed both perspectives. I thought she chose two great characters to be her main perspective characters. Um and I really enjoyed, like I said, the really pretty dramatic difference between the two of them. And I think that was a cool way to tell the story. Lauren? Um, so I liked, out of the two, I liked Nari's perspective, I think, better. Um, and also just an aside here that um, I, I think it's funny because, Michael, you mentioned Aladdin earlier. And then, like, the author puts a Prince Ali, like, really? For <laughs> Like, um, so I may or may not have sung Prince Ali I did. in my head when I saw his name and I did. every other point after that. Yes, I did the same thing. Um, and so I thought every time he, his little perspective came up on the chapter, like I, I did the song in my head. Um, anyway, I liked Nari's perspective and I feel like that's more just because she's more relatable to me. Like, um, I think that having come from, and also just like, I can, I can sympathize with her as far as her situation, which I know is one of the later questions. So I won't get into that too much, but just um, not even like understanding who she is really. And um, her, her voice and tone that she was written in from her perspective were just more appealing to me as well. Um, and I also just really disliked the way that the audiobook actor uh, did Ollie's voice. <laughs> so that probably played a role. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was like, it was like a do 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 like, <laughs> like she changed the pitch to make it seem like it was a guy. And so anyway. Okay, let's see here. Um, I enjoyed Nari's more, especially in the beginning. Um, as readers, I think we're essentially like Nari since we don't know anything about the Jens and their world. And it was kind of fun to see their role through her eyes. Um, I felt like Ali was a bit tropey for me in the beginning. Being like the youngest prince that doesn't believe in his family's way of ruling. And he has like no claim to the throne and all that stuff. And he tries to secretly undermine his family and go against what they want. Um, wanted to like defy his father's orders and all that stuff. Um, I also didn't like how self-righteous he, he was. And that kind of bothered me in the beginning where he thought he was right and no one else was. Um, but towards the end, I actually enjoyed more of his perspective because I feel like he did a little bit more of some growing up. I'm sure he probably has a lot growing up. He probably will towards the other two books. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I did enjoy, especially when him and Nari actually started interacting. I enjoyed their interaction a lot. And I feel like she made him a little less pompous and self-righteous. So... I definitely enjoyed his point of view towards the end of the book more. 
Um, Nari struggles with her magic, her heritage, and with finding her path once she is brought to Devabad. Did you sympathize with her struggles? How does her view of her gifts and herself change as the story progresses? I'm going to let Barbara start on this one. So I I definitely um, sympathized with her struggles. Uh, She went from not... I feel like she went from not realizing she was magical, but being very self-assured in her own abilities as a con artist to being thrust into this world where she's practically seen as, I wouldn't say like a God, but like this above all the other tribes and people because of being a Nahid. And, but also not having any grasp of her own magic ability, her own magic and her abilities. And you can see how that, self-doubt just started to creep in on her where she went from like completely self-assured to not even trusting in herself and her abilities anymore. Um, And I think she finally starts maybe gaining a little bit more of her confidence um, when Ali starts helping her with her magic and realizing that to do her magic, she's not tied to obviously how they are with their Jin um, background, but with her human background. Um, and so she has to use like the tongue that she grew up with listening to conjure up the magic. So I'm really excited to see what more she can do because we were kind of, we didn't get to see much of her abilities yet. Lauren, what about you? Um, I definitely sympathize with her struggles and finding, like finding out, who she was. And here I have to, of course, plug the Harry Potter connection in this book. Um, you're a healer, Nari, in a haggard voice. Because um, she had that experience. Like, she did. <laughs> you're a Jin. You're a Jin. You're an, a Nahid. You pick. It's all the same. <laughs> exactly. It's all the same, depending on who you ask. But I thought I had that thought when I was listening to that section about the fact that like you know she's just she's just a boy living under the stairs who doesn't know she's a gen so anyway um i definitely sympathize with her struggles i think like barbara said that um she was super confident in her abilities for her smuggling or con artistry and then kind of got thrown into this world that she knows nothing about and so um i think that you know it wasn't really until later i feel like the first time that i noticed her like experimenting with her powers was whenever um uh she thought he was dead right he like they're like going to david and Oh, when um, the bird like eats yes, him, the bird. and he yes. like cuts and him she, off from the outside yes. of the bird. Yeah, and she's like, he doesn't have a pulse. It's like when she finds out that he's technically, we're in the spoiler section, right? Yeah, yeah. That he he did. <laughs> he that he really is dead. Like in between, you know, in this magical in between place. But anyway, like that was the first time that she really was like, okay, like I can do this magic thing. Like let me put my hands on you and like. um I feel like but up until that point, she was just kind of like, I don't know, like lost in the, in kind of just a floating along with what everybody else was doing. But that's just my point of view. Will we make it through a single episode without a Harry Potter reference? No. 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 no the answer is no. 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 
anyway, uh, so yeah, I did sympathize with uh, sympathize with Nari. Um, she was totally uprooted from her life in Cairo, planted in a new place in a totally new class too. Like she went from being a con artist who lived modestly on the street to living in a palace with like all the riches and things the and the stuff fixings. she was used to. So I mean, it's, it was a huge, huge culture shock, I think, for her. Um, and she finds out that she's way more powerful than she thought. Like she thought she was just like this, like, Oh, I can somehow heal these humans and I can detect when they're sick. And it turns out she's way more powerful than that. Um, but she really struggles to grasp it and gets frustrated. And, uh, I think we can all empathize with that when like, you know, you, you, you know, you can do something, but you just can't quite get it. Um, and so that was, that was definitely something I empathized with her as well. Just the, the frustration. Um, but I do think she gets more and more confident in her abilities as the book goes on. Um, some with times with the help of Ali, which like there's that one scene I love where they're like in the library and he's teaching her how to conjure fire in her hand. And then he has a thought inside his head, which is great, Ali, just teach your mortal enemy how to conjure fire in her hand. I'm sure this will end well. It's like <laughs> some of his internal monologue was pretty entertaining. That was, that was one that stuck with me, but, uh, but yeah, moving on to the next question. Uh, Dara is a character who contains many layers and whose past is filled with question marks. Were you surprised when you learned of his dark history as a warrior? Do you feel his relationship with Nari could have survived those revelations? And I'll start on this one. Um, yes and no. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised about some of it because he was a really like the, the slavery part of that, that they talked about was, um, lended to some pretty dark stuff that he had to do. Um, but, uh, it was, and it was easier to understand too. And he described being forced into like this stuff that he had to do. Like these, these masters were forcing him to kill people. And you I mean, there's some sympathy required there when he can't control it. But later in the book, you learn that a lot of it was actually his choice. And he's a pretty brutal dude, um, on his own. Like he's very one track minded. He's killed hundreds, if not thousands of people without being under anybody's control or, um, or, or being a slave to anybody. So once you figure out that part of it, it was hard to see him exactly the same as before. Cause I think that, um, that air of sympathy you have for his time as a slave, um, being forced to do all these things. And there's like the, the thing where you're like, oh man, it's really great that he can't remember that. Cause that's, that's what ends up breaking a lot of these, uh, these devas. Um, but then you find out that he like chose to do a lot of his stuff. And that was, that was kind of, that was a little surprising. Um, as far as the other part of the question, I didn't think that Nari was his relationship would survive that. Um, but you know, she just kept finding out awful things about him, and you're you're just kind of expecting the next part to be, oh, well, Dara stabbed a baby through the heart, and Nari be like, well, it's okay, oh, it's just you, and like that. That got that I don't escalated know, like, quickly. <laughs> Well, it escalated in the book. Like she keeps finding out all these terrible things he did, and then <laughs> screw that like, baby. <laughs> at the end of the book, like he like slaughters all these people, and then she's not even mad at him until he kills Ali, and then that's when she's like, "Oh, how dare okay, you?" Okay, she's not mad because he is what you think of stereotypically when you look at Aladdin and you think of the genie. Like she wished that, and he unfortunately had to follow through because he had no like no will at that point, Michael. You can't get mad at someone. She literally, that was her fault. She wished for him to be, stay safe. And how does he stay safe? By slaughtering a whole ship of people. Yeah, and he did. He killed a lot of people. Um, but yeah, even then, she doesn't ever, doesn't completely write him off because she's absolutely devastated uh, when Ali kills him. 
uh, or maybe didn't kill him. I guess we'll find out next. We'll talk about that later. But um, I don't know. I Part of me in that scene also kind of thought like, oh, well, maybe he, you know, yeah, I like Darrow as a character, but yeah, maybe he kind of got what was coming to him when Ali cut him down after he killed all those other people that didn't do anything wrong other than just protecting their city. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, that was my answer. Uh, Lauren, what do you think on this one? I think it's funny listening to you pronounce it because of just like the the differences of how the book says it. Is it Dara? It's Dara, but <gasps> the lady... I told you. I told you, Michael. I told you. The lady, though, that reads it, the actor for the audiobook, pronounces it Dara, like Dara, like with, so I literally thought it was like D-A-D-A the whole time. So I like pull this up and I'm like, who the hell is Dara? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, it's Dara. Yes, got it. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was just a side note. Um, I was a little bit surprised to learn about his history. Um, and I feel like his relationship, kind of like Michael was saying, um, she had some rose-colored glasses. That's what that's called, Michael, when you're ignoring some of those red flags. Yup. <laughs> so I think that it, um, I don't know, it maybe could have survived. But I don't know. To be determined. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it literally, it did survive. Like she, she was fine up until the very end. But anyway, Barbara, go ahead. You're about to start. <laughs> no. Um. So no, I was not surprised. Um, by his dark history as a warrior, he seemed to me, at least, very narrow-minded and not open to other people's ideas or culture. Um, I feel like he was so dead set, um, in his way. And that his way is the only way, and it wasn't shocking to me whatsoever, um, that he followed orders without a, uh, without even, like, second-guessing those orders um, before he was a slave. Because we find out that he slaughtered pretty much a whole, like, s- section of one of the tribes. <laughs> Once again, I don't quite understand the tribes and stuff like that. It was like a part of the tribes that, you know, gave them goods and stuff like that. And the Nahid in their order told him to go and slaughter all of them uh, because they were fornicating with the Shafit, which is not okay in the Nahid's eyes. And so they just ordered him to mass murder this whole small town. And he did it without even second guessing it. Cause that's kind of how he was. So it wasn't surprising to me when I found that out because he kind of was already that when you, you meet him, like when he learns that Nari is a Shafi, like she, he pretty much hates her for the fact that she is something and she can't change that. So not shocking to me. At least I didn't think so. As far as, do I feel their relationship could have survived those? Um, it's hard to say. I feel like Nari forgave him for a lot of things. And I was surprised that she kept forgiving him for all that and kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt even after learning um, everything. Um, and like Michael mentioned, that it took up until he hurt Ali, which was her only other friend that she had, for her to be like, okay, you know what? Like, this is not okay if you do this, and I'm pretty sure she even told them, like, if you do this, I will never forgive you. 
but I think. Well, let's clarify. Not not hurt. She was fine when he broke Ali's wrist. She thought he killed him. That was when she got mad. No, it was when um, Dara is in her room and Dara and Ali are fighting um, in the uh, hospital room and stuff like that. And Dara's pretty much, okay, like, we have to take him now that he knows that we're leaving. And she said, like, if you do this, I won't ever forgive you. And he's like, I'm still doing it anyway. So it was at that point. So he hadn't killed Ali just yet. It wasn't that scene yet. All right, fair enough. That she said that, by the way. Um, and I, I still think even now, I, I think knowing more about his past, she'd still be reluctant to just write him off completely. And so we'll see in the next book. But I, I feel like she's still gonna go goo goo gaga for him. All right. Next question: Was the book the right length? Were there any parts you wished the author would have expanded on, or sections you thought should be shorter? And I'll let Barbara start on this one. So I do think it was the right length. I don't obviously I um, wanted to know more about the world and the history between the Jins and then the Perrys and the Marids and the Ifrits. But I guess now that Lauren pointed it out, it was you didn't really need to know about them just yet. I mean, the part of them like. They're integrated in the story, but they don't play a huge role in the story just yet. I have a feeling that they will in the later books. So it was nice to have an introduction to them. I didn't have an issue with that. And I actually wanted to more background on all of the history behind all of them. So I find it funny that Lauren was like, screw this. I don't want that information. Because I was like, I want more. I want to know more about where we went from like point A to like what we, where we are now. And I'm sure I'll get that in the other two books, like their whole history of what happened to them. And I feel like there's a lot that was unanswered, but given that this is a trilogy, I'm not surprised. And obviously we're going to learn everything, hopefully by the end of the third book, that's normally how they do those anyway. So Lauren, what about you? Um, I feel like the first half dragged for me as far as the length goes. Um, I'm not saying that the book needed to be shorter necessarily, but it was just like more of a pacing issue and an information dumping issue. I mean, I think that it was somewhat necessary to do all of the world building, but I feel like it could have been condensed and spread out over the course of the three books, kind of like Barbara was saying that we talked about. Um, Because I feel like she just tried to fit a whole, whole lot of stuff into the first half really of one book um, because that was where most of the, the world building happened. And then the action kind of started once um, you got further into it. So was it the right length? I mean, it seems like you guys think so, so maybe, but um, I felt like it could have not necessarily, it wasn't really a length issue as much as it was a pacing issue. So I think if it had been paced differently, um, I wouldn't have minded the length, but it just seems to be long and dragged on because of the way that it was complicated and all that good stuff. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, I, I did think it was the perfect length from a, just like the, just the length perspective, as far as what you guys mentioned on like the world building and some of the info dumping that happened. Um, I, I mean, yeah, there was, there was some of that and it's one of those things where you kind of have to have it in books like this that take place in worlds we're not familiar with. Um, but I, and I don't think that it, you really can't just sprinkle it throughout three books in a trilogy. You kind of have to have it up front, but I think it should have been 
better mixed in with this book instead of like being like the first 25% of the book is like world building. And I thought that was maybe a little heavy at first. And it might maybe, I mean, if it could have turned some people off to the book too, just because it, uh, there was a lot of that at the beginning, but, but yeah, so I can see what you meant there. Um, but, uh, as far as things I wanted the author to expand on or sections should be shorter, nothing I could think of that I wanted her to make shorter. And the things that I wanted her to expand on are things that I think were intentionally left unexpanded, um, because they're going to be touched on in the sequels, which that's kind of standard when you're planning on writing a series of books. So I think the length was, was pretty good. If it had been much longer, I think it would have been, would have felt draggy. And if it had been any shorter, I think you'd have missed out on some stuff. So. I'd have been okay missing out on a little bit of it. <laughs> fair, okay. Fair enough. Okay. So moving on from there, one of our staple questions, who was your favorite character and why? And I'll start first on this one. For me, it was just kind of hard. Um, I, I mean, obviously the, the two main characters of the book are Nari and Ali, and I really liked both of them um, for different reasons, but I, I really enjoyed both of their characters. They were so different. Um, like I wrote in my notes, if you if you put a gun to my head and just said, like, you have to pick a character, I would, ha- I would probably pick Nari because I was more interested in her arc for longer. Um, crappy romance aside, um, I really enjoyed her character, so she'd probably be my uh my pick for favorite what about you lauren i feel like it's great that we're gonna read a romance next because you're such a fan of the romance um genre and just anything in that regard um also if anybody's holding a gun to your head to make you pick a character i feel like that's a pretty intense situation but i would choose nari as well um i feel like she's more relatable and i enjoyed watching her kind of coming of age journey from, you know, you're a healer, Nari, to Nari, the the gym goddess. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going batting three for three again. I really like Nari. She was my favorite character. I liked how she was strong and capable and not weak-mannered, but still vulnerable. Um, and was okay with showing her vulnerable side as well. I also like that she was... A flawed character and I really enjoyed how all the characters were flawed, flawed characters because like sometimes you get like these perfect characters that don't have flaws and it's just really unrelatable unrelatable um and so it was nice to see that all, all of her main characters and even her side characters like they weren't these like picture perfect people so um and I also obviously enjoyed reading about her journey and I look forward to seeing how she grows also as a uh, you're a healer <laughs> Sorry. You guys are ridiculous. No, we're not. Moving on to the next question. Were you familiar with any of the folklore S.A. Chakraborty drew upon in creating the world of the djinn? If so, which elements? And what was your favorite aspect of the world that she created? And we'll let Barbara go first here. I was not familiar whatsoever. I loved everything about the lore. I liked how it was all based off of real lore and she expanded on it and made it her own. I may may have read about kind of after I finished the book, I read about like where she got the idea and come to find out this is the lore behind that. It's all based off of stuff. She said that if it didn't have something to that effect that she didn't want to include it in her books. I thought that was really cool. Um, I am very interested in this world now, and I have started doing my own research um, into the lore that inspired this story. So I 
liked everything about it. I think the only thing I've heard before was obviously Jin in the sense of like a genie, but not like this much about it and um, the Eifritz as well. And that's about it. Lauren, what about you? Um, I also was not uh, was not privy to any of the information beforehand. Um, I did think it was interesting. And I liked, I enjoyed the uh, Middle Eastern inspiration because I feel like it's an underrepresented, um, it's an underrepresented population slash, I mean, I feel like books just aren't written from that perspective very often. So I like that. So I'm going to echo the other two of you guys. Uh, I also didn't know a whole lot about the folklore she referenced here. Um, I did love the connections that she made to the real world Middle East. I loved learning about, I guess, learning after that she based all of this stuff in real mythology and real lore from the region, which I thought was really cool. Um, and the city, even the city that she that she uh, based like half the story in, Devabad. Um So yeah, I really did enjoy it. I didn't know a lot about it before. Um, like Barbara said, I'm also excited to read some more about it. Um, if you read the book and you want to do that as well, if you go to the author's website, she actually has a reading list there that kind of references a lot of the books that she read to get the background for this book. And I actually added a couple of those to my reading list that sounded interesting. So if you're into nonfiction and you want to learn a little bit about the, the lore, definitely check that out. So let's see, moving on to our next question. So this is a new segment for us on the Badass Literature Society. We actually got a discussion question from the person who recommended the book. Yay. Uh, so this question was asked to us by uh, by David, um, and he wanted us to talk about should a reader read into the plot and apply it to our world, specifically the relationship between the devas and the other tribes? Um, is this simply a good story, or is it an allegory for current events? Um, and in this case, I'm gonna, I'll answer first. Um, and so I think, I think I do that like subconsciously in all books that I read. Like, I think that if there's a connection that can be made to the real world, I, I see that and, uh, and kind of think about it. And so in this book, there's definitely some connection that can be made and specifically what we you know, the part that he mentioned about the Davis and the other tribes. Um, I mean, the, the Davis are, it's kind of a situation where like they're generally accepted in society, but they're seen as like lesser um, lesser Jin, lesser, um, people in this, in this, in this world, um, by pretty much everybody, even the Gaziri and the Al-Qahtani royalty, I mean, they, they would like come out and say that, but you could tell that was kind of like the undertone. Um, and so when, when David asked that part of the question, it kind of made me, I mean, I guess the allegory that I would make to current events would be like to the, to the stuff going on with Black Lives Matter. Um, and if you, if you look at like, like compare the devas to them and the rest of the world to the rest of the Jin tribes, um, like obviously like our president would never come out and say like, oh, I hate black lives matter unless you're our former president. But anyway, um, wouldn't say that, but like the, I don't know. It just, there's, there's, that's the only really like big rig allegory I can make to current events. Um, and I appreciated the question because it made me really think about that and make the connections. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on that. What do you think, Lauren? Um, I would agree with you about the fact that I always tend to do that while I'm reading any book um, as far as trying to apply the plot or things that are going on in the book in the real world. And then I also have an, a constant undercurrent of applying the plot to Harry Potter as well. Um, so <laughs> that's uh, so it's like, hmm, how does this 
uh, relate to the real world and current politics? And also, can I make a parallel to the Potter world? So I can make a reference in the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, those are two things that I always think about when I'm reading, uh, you know, just subconsciously. Um, I agree with you, Michael, as far as the fact that it could um, kind of parallel with Black Lives Matter. Um, And, I mean, I don't think that it's simply just a good story. I think that there's always um, there's always going to be undercurrents of real events um, and real issues. And I think that I mean, I don't know of a book that I've read that I can think of off the top of my head that, like, I couldn't draw some kind of parallel to for real-world issues. So even, like, children's books that I would read to, like, my child have things that you can draw upon in them. So, Barbara, what about you? Um, Yeah, I would agree with both of you guys. I would say it would be more between how the Shafits are looked as lesser because um, the devas don't believe in canoodling with humans to make a Shafit. Um, that's like really against their beliefs. And that's what the Nahids are, you know, like they were so against it to the point where that's why they had Dara go and mass murder this whole little village because um, they were making more Shafit, essentially. Um, so I, I kind of saw that more of how I feel like how we see people of color or how we see immigration as a whole, that people are seen as lesser or even for the Black Lives Movement, how you know these white supremacists think that they're better than everyone else. That's how I would have taken that. As far as um, how the current tribe, the, I don't know if you're pronouncing it correct, the Giri, the, is that how? Uh, Gaziri. Oh, Gaziri is how you pronounce it. Sorry. The Gaziri is how you pronounce that. Um, I would say between the Gaziri and the, the, the Deva is the whole, the Devas were the one that were in charge. Like they were the ones that got usurped, um, like 1,400 years ago or something like, I think it was the timeline. Um, Technically the Nahids were usurped, but they are obviously (laughs) the Deva tribe. So, so they were the ones that were in power and the Gaziri took over. And so I feel like you can feel that the bubbling hatred that they have for the Gazer. I cannot pronounce the Gazari, 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 Gaziri. Um, and I feel like it's the same here. Like you can always draw parallels and she definitely, I feel like she definitely did that. So good question. Yeah. I thought it was a good question too. Uh, our next question is, did you come away feeling any of the characters were true villains or true heroes and why or why not? And I'll let Barbara start here on this one. No. And I absolutely loved that she did this. I feel like there weren't any true villains or true heroes. Um, And normally the heroes and the villains are very obvious and very distinct in other books. I feel like Um, there's like, there's a line draw on the sand and you know where characters stand in the other books. But in this book, 
I feel like everyone was towing that line at all times. Um, and depending on whose eyes you're looking through, whose point of view uh, you were getting, the other characters look to be like the villains to them, but then you'd learn new information or get like a different perspective and then bam, right back to having gray, gray characters. Um, I found that aspect of how she did that to be one of the things I really enjoyed. And I think I even mentioned it to Michael at point when I was reading and saying that, like how it was hard to be like, Oh, these are the heroes and these are the villains. And I, I think she did a very good job with that. Um, it just, cause I, it makes my brain like work overtime and trying to figure out character motives and where the story is going and where she wants to go with the story. Um, and I love trying to figure that stuff out. Um, I do think King Gasson, is that how he's pronounced? <laughs> um, so I do think King Gasson probably toes that line a little more thoroughly than others in the more towards the evil side and then the good kind. And I think the only one who's more neutral would be Nari just because she has no, is it horse in that race? Is that how, is that the, yeah, buddy, finally got one right. Uh, so she has no horse in this race because she didn't grow up with any knowledge behind this. So she kind of is neutral in that sense. Does that make her a good character? I, think so. I think she is going to be the only one who's probably the stereotypical hero of the story. Um, so, and I also do think that the big baddie has only been hinted at as of this book. I'm sure the real baddie is going to be in the second book, or at least more in the books. I feel like it was hinted at in this one only, so... So for me on this one, I kind of, I agree with Barbara. Um, there weren't really any uh, you know, specific true villains, true heroes. Um, there weren't any exclusive like black hat, white hat characters like you get in a lot of these where you know who's bad and who's good. Um, and a lot, lots of great characters. And I thought that made for a more interesting story. Like Barbara said, you're constantly having to reevaluate like, who is this person? What do they stand for? Um and in some books, you don't have to do that. Like you're just, you're told, okay, this is the hero and you don't really have to think about that ever again. And okay, this is the bad guy. And you don't have to do much thinking about that again. And in this book, that's totally opposite to that. Um, also, like Barbara said, closest one to like a true quote unquote villain was probably King Gasson. Um, man, what a well-written character. I really liked his character, the way she wrote him. Um, too truthfully, he was like a runner up for favorite character, even though he's like a minor side character. Um, Every scene he was in, you could like you could just feel his presence and power like coming through the words on the page, and it's it was impressive the way that she she made him like overbearing even through through the words that she wrote. Um, and, and so that was that was really really impressive. And one of my favorite scenes with him was it was right after the scene where Ali is forced by him to go like kill or execute the Shafit and has to kill that little boy on the bronze boat. And he comes back and, um, and man, he's talking to his dad, Gasan, and he's simultaneously bending Ali to his will and then rips the rug out from under him by exposing, Hey, I've known that like you're a traitor this whole time. And like, you've been working with the Tanzim. Um, and just like the way that he, I mean, his, he's a, he's a politician. Like you can feel it. Like the way that he like 
weaves his words and um and then like his final line before that scene ends where he like tells Ali to go wash his hands because there's blood on his hands and like at the depth there because there there literally is blood in his hands but he's referring to like his traitorous actions too, like the figuratively blood in his hands um man he's a he's a he was a good villain uh maybe not like a true villain because there were some very very few redeeming factors for him but um but yeah he was a very well-written character so next question would you read another book in this series why or why not i'll start i think you guys already know my answer but yes i would i am already looking forward to reading the other two books um my the person that recommended this book to us recommended the whole trilogy technically not for the podcast but just thinks you should finish it and read it um yeah but there's so many stuff that was left open-ended and then there were all this like crazy twists and little things at the end. I know that's the next question, so I'm not going to go into detail on it. But um, yes, very excited for the next book. Definitely want to finish this series. Um, so yes, it's a yes for me. What about you, Lauren? Um, I said maybe. And I think that that really just rides on that if I were to have time to physically read it, either on the Kindle or a paper copy, um, then I might consider reading the next book or another book in the series. Um, but I don't think that I would listen to another one at this point. Um, I definitely want to read the next book. There's no way I will not finish the series unless it just takes like a huge dumpster dive for the second book and it's just god awful or something. But even then, I think I've only not read one book. I just stopped reading one book. I think everything else I've powered through it. So um, I'm way too invested in these characters to not read or to finish the story. I have to find out like what happens next. Like I have to. So I'm actually extremely excited to read the rest of the trilogy. So you'll have to let me know what happens <laughs> if you decide not, or if you end up not reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess if, I mean, if Barbara reads it and she finds it amazing, then Lauren would probably be more likely to consider reading it. This is true. Yeah, but I like fantasy more than she does. That's also true. That is also true. <laughs> so moving on to the next question, did you guys find the ending of the book to be satisfying? And I'll let Barbara start here. Yes. Yes. Very, very satisfying. Um, I feel like it gave us enough answers, but um, we were left with even more questions that made me like super excited to pick up the next book. Like the shocking quote unquote, like end part, like twice. Cause I was just like, I knew it. I knew it. So yes, I, 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 it was just enough to make me like extremely excited. I want to pick up the book and I feel bad for anyone who had to wait <laughs> 12 years to pick up the next book. No, just a year, I think uh, to read the other book. So sucks to suck. I'm glad I don't have to do that. I can just read it whenever I feel like it. David, the person who recommended this book, was in that camp. He had to wait for the books to come out. So I did my waiting. <laughs> did you like the ending? Twelve years of it. Yes. Um, so it definitely makes you curious to read the next book, like Barbara said, um, leaving some questions unanswered. But I feel like that there were enough questions that were answered that weren't like you weren't sitting there saying, like, what the hell? Um, so I think that was good. And I'm right there with you guys. I, I thought it was a great ending. Um, it tied up enough knots, but left enough untied and exposed new ones. Um, it was 
great like the finale of like a season of a tv show where it's like oh yes the end of the story and it's like but then and it's, <laughs> that's kind of what we got in this book like there were so many little things dropped in the last few pages and it's just like what the hell is going on um but yeah it, it, the ending was great uh, and it definitely made you want to go out and read the next book like barbara said too so now let's get into those big twists at the end so did any of you guys predict some of these twists at the end uh, that jamshid was a nahid that his father, the Grand Wazir, Kava, is part of a scheme to overthrow the current regime, or that Nari's mom is still alive and can maybe bring Dara back to life. That's just, it was the, and I think all of those things I just mentioned were all in the epilogue. Like it was, it was, that was all in the epilogue of the book. And so it was just like, what the hell? And so much stuff coming out. Um, but my answer to this question is no, no, I did not predict any of that. I did not think any of that was going to happen. Um, I, I guess, I guess, I kind of, so I kind of thought that her mom might still be alive after that scene earlier in the book, where the um, Ifrit almost catch her, and then they say that like they're working for her mom. Um, but then, like, I kind of dismissed it because I thought you know the Ifrit would probably say anything to get her to come with them without a struggle. Um, so that was the only thing I guess like sort of predicted. But I, I would only give myself if this was a test i would get half credit for that prediction because i don't feel like i was devoted enough um as far as uh jamshid being a nahid no did not predict that maybe being nari's brother what no didn't predict that at all um that was like a huge shock when like you've like they're, they're talking about, like that tattoo on his back the dad's trying to cut off and then you find out it's like to suppress his healing power and just like God, it's crazy um huge twist can't wait to see where that goes in the next book i really liked his character he was kind of a minor character in this book um, he was the bodyguard for Muntadir, which is Ali's Ali's brother. Um, so he, he was in it, but not in it as much as some of the other characters. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, and yeah, I mean, if Nari's mom could bring Dara back, fine. But only for the badass action scenes he provides. No romance with Nari, please. Barbara, what do you think here about these crazy endgame predictions? Okay, so I definitely knew that Mutadir was in love with Jamstead from their first interaction. That was a given. I feel like that was pretty obvious. Although Michael never picks up on relationships unless they're like physically like making out. And then he's like, oh, yes, they're together. Besides that, it's like so stereotypical dude that doesn't pick up on subtle hints that people are in love with each other. What's funny about that is you told me like that they're like to look out for a relationship and like see if I thought there was one there. And so I think that like poisoned the water hole because I was now looking for it. And so instead and of- And you still couldn't figure of, it out. Instead of seeing Jamshid and Muntadir, I thought it was Jamshid and uh, and Ali <laughs> that were having stuff together. And like, that was clearly not the case. Not even anyway. close. That's what I'm saying. Like if I wouldn't have said anything, then you're like, no, there's no romance with him. Like he's not going to like anyone. Like you fool. It was right there. <laughs> I am. I'm a fool. That's why I am. I get half credit for that one too. Anyway, sorry for interrupting your answer. You get zero credit. Zero. Oh, I just said I'm glad we have that on recording that Michael called himself a fool. So <laughs> we can play it back on a loop when we want to. Fool, fool, fool. It's our outro song moving forward. <laughs> I am a fool. I'm a fool. This will be my last episode of Badass Literature Society. Uh, any, anyways, um, I didn't predict that Jamshid was a Nahid, nor, um, oh boy, how do you say her name? Manizia? 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 I said Manizia. Manizia? 
um, son, even though there were a few hints now that I look back on it and I was a little disappointed um, in myself for not picking that up. Um, I was definitely Seth of Kave and figured that he was a quote unquote traitor that was helping out. Um, especially when Nari described him looking at her with such like giddiness when she first arrived there. I was like, oh yeah, he's, he's sus. He's definitely the, the, the mole inside the palace. And I'm pretty sure. Sh- I feel like that was kind of our confirmed that it's him and um, Nari's helper lady person that I forgot her name. Should have realized Jamshi was part Nahi due to Dara saying Kaveh was close to that lady, Monize. Um, that was kind of mentioned and Dara kind of says it in passing. And I feel like that was the biggest hit. And I'm once again disappointed that I didn't pick that up. Um, I also don't believe that Nari is a full-blooded Jin, um, like the king says. I still think that she's Shafit, and so that that's my thing on that. Um, and yeah, I do think Dara will be back, because Dara, like, you know, he can't just die like that. Like, that's <laughs> that can't happen. Um, and I'm also curious to learn more about like Ali's new gifts with the water. I did not predict that whatsoever to happen. But I, even though she kind of hinted that he likes and enjoys the water and he kind of was healed by the water at one point. And so that was a little sus. Lauren, do you have anything to add to this question? Um, other than the fact that I just learned last week what sus meant from a fourth grader at my work. Um <laughs> So I feel like I'm really in the, uh, I feel pretty old, even though you're younger. (laughs) I am. I'm younger, but that's okay. Um, now I feel like that you guys pretty much covered everything. I mean, I, I was not surprised to hear that Barbara predicted what she did. Um, she always she, does. I know, she always does. And I was also not surprised to hear that Michael didn't predict things <laughs> like romance. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't predict. The only thing that I can say that I did predict was the fact that, like, um, that the romance factor, I predicted that. I predicted um, the, what else was it? Um, I didn't predict, I didn't predict much else. I kind of sucked at this one, like I said. Boo. So speaking of predictions, uh, let's talk about predictions for the next book. Yes, the question I was most looking for. Before, before I let Barbara take over, because I know she wants to, I, I did forget to mention, I, I will also, I did pick up on the Ali, the water healing him. I thought that was kind of strange. And I am also excited to see if he has like water powers or something now after what happened at the end where he came out of the boat looking like um, the Pirates of the Archie Caribbean, Caribbean, the second movie, Dead Man's. Oh, yes. is it Dead Man's? T- Dead yes, Man's Tell Dead Man's No Tales. Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, that one. Anyway, I wanted to add that. Um, Barbara, let's hear about all of your predictions for what comes next. So you can technically spoil the book because you're always right. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited for this question. Um, so, <clears throat> like I said, I think Nari is a Shafiq, and I think. King Ghassan lied about her being a full Nahid, but I don't know why. Sus number one. I haven't I haven't drawn up conclusions as to why he's lying about that yet. Uh, two, I don't think Manize 
is Nari's mom. Um, the Ifrit hesitated when he answered her question, and I didn't believe him, so sus number two. Um, I do believe that Monaze is alive. This was pretty much all but confirmed at the end. And that she'll bring Dara back because I think she was the one who brought him back in the first place. I think Monaze is sus too. So number three sus. I think she brought Dara back to bring down the Katani. Katani, is that how you say them? The, their last name, Katani. Yeah, Katani. Um, yep. And, and uh, Gaziri. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I said it right this time. Um, and, and the Gaziri rule, and I think she wants to put the Nahids slash Deva um, back in power. I think she wants to overthrow them like they did her family back like thousands of years or 8,000 years ago. She's obviously working with the Ifrit, sus again, um, who are supposed to be the baddies of the book. But do we think they're the baddies? I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. I also think that there's something going on with the other two magical people, the air and water. So, And also, I think... Um, Ali will have water powers. I 100% believe that he do- will because he all, like started showing that already when he made like the infirmary roof like fall with water and stuff like that. I feel like that's pretty much confirmed that he's going to have water powers. But I'm curious to know if he got that before or after he turned into a Pirates of the Caribbean 2 creature. <laughs> I just have a lot of predictions, but that's for now. Those are it. So I agree with most of what Barbara said for her predictions. Um, with some, with like the, I guess the, I think that the Ifrit maybe aren't evil. I think that they've been painted in that light by the Alcatanis since they're the rulers. Um, I think like my overarching prediction. What the heck is the Alcatanis? Don't you mean the Katanis? Katanis, yeah. Al- all Katani. Uh, it, but that's technically that's the full name. Sorry, it's the oh, Katani. Oh, is the full it, name? Yes. Oh, anyway. it's A L like Hubble and Katani. It's like like your name, yeah. Um, oh, excuse you. <laughs> so I think that my overarching prediction will be that in book two we're going to see like the equivalent of like the training montage where we're going to get uh, you know they're going to reunite Na, uh, Nari with the other Nahid. She's going to learn how to be this super badass healer as well as some other magic powers. What other Nahid? Her mom. Maybe. Quote unquote mom. Quote unquote not her mom. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, so that's going to happen. I think Ali maybe is going to meet a Merit who's going to train him or maybe he'll hook up with his mom's people because they're big water fans and get some training there. Um, so I think that's going to be like the overarching second book and then the third book I imagine will be like them attempting to or successfully overthrowing uh, the Katanis and taking back David. I'm excited to read those. Are I really enjoy them. I hate you. <laughs> anyway, um, those, those are my predictions. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I think. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, did you have any predictions for the next book? No. <laughs> I assume not. Since you that's, she, she said the only word that are in the notes. No. I no. love predicting stuff so I can go back and see how utterly wrong I was. 
you say that like you're utterly wrong a lot. I feel anyway. like I, well, whatever. We're not you're a pretty good predictor. Uh-huh. So moving on from there, let's talk about our individual scores. Uh, I'll let Barbara, you want to go first? Sure. I gave this my highest score. It was my first eight. Woo, happy dance. So an eight. I really, really liked it. I can't wait to read the next book. Nice. Lauren, what about you? Um, I gave it a seven and a half. And I think that I gave it that high of a rating because I feel like part of my experience of it was my own fault for listening to it and not reading it physically. And I think that I would have enjoyed it a lot more um, if it had been a different format. And I think that the world building was really cool. So, And I gave it a nine out of ten. Um, which is tied for my highest score. So I, I also really liked the book. What was your other nine? So I have given out the name a couple of the nines. Win, wasn't it? The name of the wind was a nine. Mm-hmm. Elantris was a nine, and Darker Shade of Magic was also. You get a nine. A nine. You get a nine. Yeah. You get a nine. So Everyone nice. gets a nine. <laughs> I, I either enjoy the books more, or I'm a more lenient scorer than my co-host. <laughs> um, so, like we said earlier, that brings our group score. Uh, it was an eight point two out of ten. You and your damn decimals lauren's fault this time because she put a seven point it was the same. Um, this was not my doing for the first time i know at I least know. it was lauren's a point five though and not like a point three or a point <laughs> should i have done an eight point one no no <laughs> not half anyway thank you guys so much for listening we are badass literature society um Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, let us know. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. That stuff really matters. Please, please. It's really, really important to get us higher on the list so people can check us out and you know, tell your family and friends who like books or maybe who don't like books but are looking to get into the book society club come join us have them join us join our club club. we would love to discuss things with you guys for sure and speaking of that connect with us on instagram and facebook both places our handle is at badass lit pod if you've got a book you want us to read recommend it there we we have a whole list of recommendations we would love to add your book to that list um but i think that uh that's it guys we'll see you next month and i'm michael i'm barbara I'm Lauren. Bye. Bye.